Welcome to the Contraception Pod. I'm Maya and I'm the Catholic. I'm Cassidy and I'm the Protestant. At a gala at Trump Hotel, never meeting each other prior, Cassidy quietly came up to me in the bathroom and said, What are your thoughts on contraception? This question turned into a never-ending discussion that we decided to take on a podcast. So join us as we discuss contraception and how it affects our world. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Contraception Pod. We are here with an episode I'm actually really intrigued about and really want to talk about with you guys. And if you already saw it from the title, we're going to be talking about contraception and how it relates to divorce. Um, this is sometimes just like a common thing, I think, as a Catholic, like that I've been told is like, oh, we've seen divorces skyrocket since the sexual revolution, since contraception. But why is that? Like, what contributes to that? And is that actually true? Or is that just something that as you know, a lot of people tell me, is it just something Catholics say so more people will do? And I kind of thing um there's really interesting studies on this really intriguing stuff we're going to keep this short we're going to keep this simple but i think it's a discussion we need to have because it's because it's something to think about when you are contemplating a relationship and what you want and maybe you're already in a relationship but if you've been told to get on contraception for a medical reason which though not morally wrong might it might have terrible effects in your body you know even if you're just on it for acne i want you to think about how you know this is this really sticks about to me like how being on birth control can contribute to your marriage you know how right now right so i think and if you're discerning marriage and you're trying to find a good partner you know a good husband i'm assuming you're probably a woman listening to this you know um and for any men who might listen to this like think about like how this would affect like if you're encouraging um your lady to take contraception or if um or maybe your lady's on contraception for some medical reason maybe encouraging her maybe sending her this podcast or something or if you have a friend you know being like hey like this really contributes to how you think of things um and i'm sorry to not let cassidy say anything yet but i was just reading this study and it said that that a woman who and i loved how they quoted it and by the way this is like the least religious least like like the most secular probably like article i've ever read kind of on contraception and divorce and all of this but it says that a woman who is on contraception is cannot necessarily be considered herself and like they said that and i was like whoa like i i guess we've talked about that on this podcast but they were talking about how that contributes to marriage because in marriage you don't want to enter in blind right um so anyway cassidy you know cassidy's here too but let's get this conversation going so what are you what okay i know i sent you this text message like last week i was like let's do an episode on contraception and divorce mm -hmm. what were your initial thoughts and i'm sure you've researched this a little bit before but like what were your thoughts like oh this contraception and divorce like do they really connect or etc you know yeah well great question being that we come from such different backgrounds you mentioned that you've heard this before like growing up catholic like oh contraception may increase like likelihood of divorce i never heard anything like that partially because i grew up in like um i don't know just like in uh, a culture that was completely fine with contraception um and so when you sent me the text, I was like, okay, well, I definitely want to read up on it and find out. I think my only exposure to hearing that would have been a speech I heard from Janet Smith. I listened to a recording from her and she talked about how um, couples that use NFP rather than contraception do have typically stronger marriages and are usually um, less likely to divorce. That was the only time I'd previously heard that. 
So that's probably similar for any Protestants tuning in. You probably have not necessarily heard that there could be a correlation between contraception and divorce. But when Maya and I started looking at some research and things that are out there, it does look like there is some data to support this. So we're looking forward to talking about that today. Yeah, and I think a good place to start is kind of looking at Humana Vitae, right? Humana Vitae was really the first document that I know, like the Catholic Church really officially put out on contraception. Like there were there were things that were said, but like this was like the first, like there were other guess, but it's the one everyone knows about. Okay, Humana Vitae. But in Humana Vitae, the Pope 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 Paul VI wrote, and he predicted that artificial methods of contraception would result in the in the dissolution 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 is that how you say it dissolution basically the dissolving of the marital bond due to the separation of fertility and sexuality like that's the direct quote from pope politics like that is what he says in humana vitae he predicted in what was it 1968 was when humana vitae came out you know during the sexual revolution and boom we saw divorce rates skyrocket like i don't even need like everyone knows that divorce has gone up like just a lot um i think and um so that's just i think a great place to to start but also they were in that same time in 1978 there were non-catholic secular scientists who made the predictions of the effects of hormonal birth control pill on society and marriage and they they predicted that there would be a large um you because of the large use of contraception and hormonal pills it would have a dramatic effect upon marriage either fewer marriages marriages that don't last long and um people not seeing the value of getting married and here we are what 50 something years later and i think it's like i want to say 54 years later from 1968 humana vitae 1978 would be like 40 something years but wow like I mean, I think I think that's true. <laughs> um, and we also see one thing that they these these um, non-Catholic secular scientists stated was that there would be decreased. Uh, there would be a, a decline in fertility among women because of hormonal birth control. Um, and I think that's just shocking. Um, just that in the 90s, in 1978, you know, when they didn't even know like too much about contraception, I mean, Let's put it this way. In 1973, when Roe v. Wade came out, there were four feet, there were four scientific, uh, like official, I guess, scientific documents on fetal development, right? So that goes to show like how much people knew about fertility, how much, you know, people knew, and our science has just grown so much. And, but they were already predicting then that this would happen. So it's like, it's like, I'm making faces at the camera. I know you guys can't see, but like, it's like, hold up, like, what were what were people trying to do to marriage like what was the devil trying to do to marriage because it it worked right and um and being you know being christian on this podcast like we've also seen just this complete decline in in gender right and the importance of gender and the importance of being made male and female and that being what constitutes a marriage right and so marriage is no longer important anymore gender is no longer important anymore and this podcast is talking specifically about divorce, um, but just kind of turning this over to Cassidy, let's talk a little bit about some numbers, some statistics about um, about the about divorce and contraception. Yeah, absolutely, and it's definitely true, Maya. That you know, there isn't always a lot of conversation about this and about you know how there's a connection between um, how we treat our fertility within marriage and how that impacts the 
um, the endurance of that relationship. So it's interesting not only to you know hear from a philosophical background about it, but also just like what's happening out there. What are the statistics regarding um, this happening? And so you know one place that I found some data was from a study here by let's see here. I'm trying to give you this data so you can look it up yourself if you'd like to. Um, this is called the influence of contraception, abortion, and natural family planning on divorce rates as found in the 2006 or 2010 national survey of family growth by Richard Faring. Um, so a few key quotes in this, they say odds ratio analysis indicated that ever having an abortion sterilization and or methods of contraception increased the likelihood of divorce. Another quote says, among women, among the women participants who ever use NFP only, or sorry, only 9.6% were currently divorced compared with 14.4% who used methods of contraception, sterilization, or abortion as the family planning method. Frequency exactly. of church um, attendance also reduced likelihood of divorce. Exactly. And just to sum up that statistic for you guys, what that statistic showed us is that two times, um, if you are on some form of contraception. Now, one thing I will say about the study, because I just got done reading where that number that study came from, is they include abortion as a um, form of contraception. Um, they say abortion, sterilization, and contraception. And contraception can be abortifacient. We know that. Uh, but it does, it says, it basically shows that you are two times more likely to get a divorce. Like you're double more likely to get a divorce if you uh, compare it to the woman who's on NFP. So 7% for 7 point something percent for the woman on NFP and then 14 point something 0.4% um, for the people who are on contraception. And the, this is taken from between 2006 and 2010. It's called cycle seven. Um, so, um, and they did like 5,000, how many women? Like a lot of women. They they took a bunch of women in the in their fertile years and showed that that statistic right there. So that's comparing the woman who is on contraception versus NFP. Um, and then just a little bit about the divorce rates right now. Um, so there's this, they have these different cycles um, of like measuring divorce rates, I guess. But between 2006 and 2010, NSFG, um, something it's done by the government. These statistics are actually taken. They go back to the government website. I'm not sure where you got yours specifically Cassidy, but these are the ones that I got from the government website, which are the same. Um, and they reported that on the state of marriage indicated that within 20 years, 48%, almost 50%, almost half of, um, first time marriages will be disrupted by divorce or separation and that by five years 86 percent of couples will be separated or divorced oh so sad this shocking right like like 86 percent of marriages in the usa within five years they're separated or divorced like whew. um and i think just like from you know my my opinion on this um is first of all that marriage is not valued anymore because we are taking away the fertility, the fertility away from sexuality, right? We're taking away the beauty away from sex, right? And so when sex is something that you can just as easily do outside of marriage and it's not constituted just for in marriage and you take it away from marriage, right? Then, then why, you know, like 
Like, then why would anyone want to stay in marriage as soon as they, you know, what, where is sacrifice? Where is love? So I think that's just like my indication of that. And now there were more like studies specifically on like what it was. Um, Cassidy, do you want to talk a little more to that? Yeah. And, you know, the study that Maya is referring to, um, you're asking how many women. So it says this study involved 5,530 reproductive age women in the 2006 or 2007 national, 2010, excuse me, national survey of family growth. Um, so just, that is really sad to think about how high the divorce numbers are. And, um, something Janet Smith mentioned in her talk, one more soul. She said, I have noticed, this is not a direct quote, but she said that she realized that young people are extremely afraid of divorce, which is understandable because if 50% of marriages have ended in divorce, many of us have personal experience of our parents becoming separated or divorced. Mm -hmm. And we know how extremely painful that can be, you know, um, to give you a little background in Maya and I, like Maya's parents are together. Mine are not, my parents are separated. So going through that as a child definitely makes you, I wasn't really a child. I was 17, but you know, a little bit older. Um, but that makes you think a lot about how to have a high quality relationship with your spouse. That's not just something where you're getting through it and you're dealing with it, but that you really treat each other well. Um, and something that we're looking at in today's episode is talking about what the role of contraception is in valuing marriage and in marriage lasting. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read you a lengthy quote from Janet Smith, and she has done a lot of research on the impact of natural family planning and its difference within marriage than rather than contraception and what results she's seeing. So you can find this information at onemoresoul.com. Um, she has this particular booklet that we pulled this from. She says, what about the other predictions of the secular world who thought contraception would be so great? What about this prediction that marriages would be better? I think in some respects, marriages are better, but the divorce rate shows us that there are a lot of very bad marriages, or at least marriages that end because people think they are very bad. In fact, the divorce rate doubled between 1965 and 1975. The divorce rate had been sort of sneaking up all century long until the mid-1960s when it was 25%. And then in 1975, it got up to 50%. And so in a short 10-year period, the divorce rate doubled. There's a, demo, uh, a demographer, demographer at the University of Stanford named Robert Michaels, who is, kind, uh, who is kind of intrigued by this. And he wondered why it was that the divorce rate doubled in a 10-year period. He actually discovered that as the contraceptive pill became more and more available, the line was parallel to the divorce line. In about 1975 through 1976, when every woman who wanted access to the pill had it, that's when the divorce rate leveled off. He says he can um, attribute 45% of this to the increase um, of this increase to increased use of contraceptives. His first observation is that the statistical data show that those who use contraceptives have fewer children and have them later in marriage. And his statistical data show that those who have the first baby in the first two years of marriage and another baby in the next couple of years of marriage have much longer lasting marriage than those who don't. Wow. That's, whew, that was a, a lot to take in. Yes, yeah. it is. It makes you think a lot too about what about having children strengthens or perhaps in the minds of those who are very pro-contraception, 
um, what may weaken a marriage. Because what I've seen a lot of people, especially a lot of Protestants that are pro-contraception, you hear certain phrases that make you think automatically that there's something wrong with children. So things like don't have kids too soon or make sure you get you enjoy your marriage for like the first two to five years Mm -hmm. as if having a child is the complete deletion of marriage enjoyment. You know, so something I've also been thinking about in that regard um, is like, I feel like our culture makes it super hard to have children too. Like, it's like, it's like, you know, when you're like super, like not, you don't like something and then someone does it. So you make it as super, as hard as you can on them or on yourself because of the situation. Like, I know I do that when I'm petty about something, right. Especially when I was younger, like with my mom, like she wanted me to do my chores. I made it as hard as I could, you know, for her, but it was like, you know, I was listening to the, what in the dang heck podcast, which I'm sure some of our listeners listen to, but I've also just been thinking about this, um, in regards to like, I'm a nanny and I know a lot of other ladies who are nannies and, and, and while there is, while there is, you know, I, I believe that moms should, you know, primarily be in their home and everything, you know, you go to all these other countries and they have help in their home. And it's not crazy to have people helping you in a maid and all these things because those people, it's not like they're slaves, you're paying them, but like in every country besides United States, it's like, that's totally okay. But if you get a nanny or if you get a maid, or if you get, if you get a chef or someone to help you here in the US, you're looked at like, oh my gosh, how could you do that? Like, you can't do all of that yourself as a stay at home mom, you know? And so I just, and, and like, we isolate mothers away from society when they have a baby like your baby can't cry on a plane your baby can't do this your baby can't do that like your baby's not allowed to be a baby right and it's like what like your baby needs to be an adult and so I guess it's just something I've been contemplating is how hard our society makes it to have children right and and, and I think it says a lot about our society and a lot about the issues we have in the society I, and I'm sorry I like completely cut you off but I was just thinking about that like not only does your society put off these comments of like oh, it's going to be so hard if you have a baby, you should just enjoy marriage. It's like, you guys are the ones who are making as hard on us as, uh, you know, on us as possible. You're making it hard for a woman to choose life. You're making it hard because you're not being helpful, right? You're, you're making sure you make every bad comment toward that kid that's crying. You're making sure you roll your eyes at that mom and make her feel like she shouldn't be in that plane, bringing her child to see their grandparent, you know, um, and you, and you look at them in stores, like they're this crazy people when the children are the hope for your generation, like, boom, like that, that is that right there. Like, like we wonder why people, you know, you know, anyway, sorry. I think that was just something that like, not only are, you know, like, like, like Janet Smith said, people who have children in the beginning of marriage um, are actually more likely to stay together um, than the people who don't, you know, and what is it about the child, you know, and then it's like almost the devil comes in by encouraging. And I don't mean this at anybody who might, you know, think that, oh, you know, like children are a burden or something. I'm not saying children are easy, but we shouldn't be making it as hard as possible. Right. We should be a community in all of this. But like at the same time, it's like, like I'm basically what I'm saying here is, is the devil has come in and try almost in a way of destroying marriages, tried to make people feel like they don't, that they shouldn't have children for years and years and years and years. And it's like, no, you know? Um, and I don't think any mother who has a child for the most part regrets having that child. Right. I think it teaches a family how to sacrifice more because guess, and it teaches them I think it teaches a father and a mother, a 
a, a wife and a husband more about love, right? It teaches them that love is sacrifice, but love is still beautiful because look, you have manifested that in this beautiful child, right? And, um, and, and when, and when we turn and we take fertility away from sexuality, when we take God out of sexuality, right? Which what, what happens? We become selfish and no one can live in someone else's selfishness, right? You can't live in like a husband and wife cannot live in a marriage. I don't think for more than five years that's focused around selfishness, right? Um, because, and I think that's what contraception really breeds in the family. Um, and I think, um, and also the hormonal contraception has so many other factors. Um, and like I was saying, I, uh, I was saying in that study, it read that women who, um, it says, and I'm going to quote this right here, but it said a study reported in the journal brain, that's the name of the study indicated that the female brain is a major, major receptor of the synthetic hormone steroids found in a hormonal contraception and that the birth control have birth control pills have structural effects in the regions of the brain that govern higher order cognitive activities, suggesting that a woman on birth control pills may literally not be herself or is herself on steroids. Other research indicates that the woman on the pill have a lower sex drive and having intercourse available on all of the time results and less intercourse in a sense that sexual intercourse is boring. And and there's like a lot more than the study that I wish you got, you know, I, I will link it below, but it, it's crazy. So, but what this was basically getting at is that, you know, now, and, and this is, it's this epidemic that J, uh, Janet E. Smith was talking about as well of sexless marriages. Right. Um, and it's why also sad to say it, but it's why a lot of men are turning to pornography because a woman on a contraception, even a married woman, and she's still on contraception she's, she, she has no, like a lot of these women aren't having any sex drive. And then another part of the study was they get off birth control and then suddenly they're not attracted to their husband. Cause right. They were a different person. And so it's just like, it's just crazy stuff. Um, and so they were using what I just read you guys. Um, they were using that to show, um, as a way of indicates what might lead to divorce. Right. I mean, poor, the poor man who's been married to this woman who doesn't want to have sex with him. Right. For years and years and years. It's like, well, the poor guy, right. That is going to lead to divorce. Right. Um, sex is supposed to be a beautiful thing. Sex is good. Right. Inherently it is good. And taking that away from marriage, it's not good either. Right. You know, um, but there's, there's just, there's just so much to say on this. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's the same, um, the same, um, goodness, the same study said reported that 74% of husbands and 75% of the wives found the use of NFP to be helpful to marriage. And a similar study among English and Welsh couples found that 75% of wives felt NFP P was helpful to marriage. More recently, this is in 2013. So those others were those other studies were from 1988. Also found high levels of satisfaction of NFP among U.S. couples and discovered that 80% of husbands and 85% of the wives felt that using NFP was helpful to their marriage. Quantitative researchers also found that most couples couples most couple users of NFP are satisfied with the use of NFP, find periodic abstinence is manageable, and find that NFP enhances their spiritual and uh, spiritual well-being. 
wow. And like, that's not just an, that's not just a research thing that I, you know, that's, oh, from the Catholic church. That is from the government website, like inzen.gov, like, like that, that's right there, like right in front of us. And it shows like these clear indication of like, and God forbid, you know, you're using, you know, you're using NFP in a contraceptive manner. Right. But it shows that like, what contraceptive what contraception i think and um what contraception has done to uh women and this was also referring to using a condom as well um they talk about that later on in there they talk about that in their study right so it's referring to sterilization abortion contraception uh contraceptive like hormonal birth control and a condom and those are the four that i remember they mentioned um but yeah um I think it's just, I think it's right there, right? I think it's an obvious indication of like, you are two times more likely to get a divorce if you aren't using some form of contraception. And that, those are from studies, like secular, non-secular studies and predictions from a Pope in 1968. Cassidy, what would you say that indicates about contraceptive? If we were to take this backwards, right? If I were to ask you, hey, I found these studies, what does that, what, what would that tell you about contraceptive shin? Yeah, definitely. It's a very curious thing to listen to a study that's telling us that there is a connection between the use of contraceptives, which we need to point out, including condoms, because I know a lot of Protestants that actually use FAM, FAM, fertility awareness method, which is basically NFP with condoms. Um, so like, it is important to recognize that the use of contraception with the specific purpose of, you know, making sure that you do not have a child, like it is shown in some data to contribute to increased likelihood of divorce. Um, so, you know, my went over a lot of really awesome points there. So a few things that I thought about were, you know, it's true that this culture makes it so hard to be a parent. This culture makes it very difficult to have kids. I just got an email from Lila Rose and a few key quotes from her. She just said that, Hulu just cut their paid paternal leave by their benefits by 60%. It's cheaper for businesses to help women kill their children via abortion than it is to provide months of paid maternity and paternity leave here. And Lila says, do you see what's happening here? Work, revenue, maternal goods, and ease are all being placed as higher value and priority than human life. And often that is true. You know, a lot of employers such as Amazon, um, Hulu, many others are prioritizing, you know, abortion above the continuance of life. And so um, it is difficult in this society to have children more difficult than other cultures because for a lot of different reasons, but I remember being in developmental psychology class and learning that we're actually shockingly individualistic in the U.S. and that a lot of cultures are more collectivistic and they tend to think about the well-being of their whole family versus just their own dreams and their own purposes. And when you have a more individualistic society, we seem to struggle with supporting other people in a time when they may need that. So, you know, my pointing out a few things like a stay at home mom who's realizing that, you know, this is challenging and it might be helpful to her to have a, a chef or maybe to have a nanny that's coming to help take care of the kids. You know, that probably varies mom to mom. Some moms may not need a nanny. Others might find that really helpful. But just the idea that, that that's true, we should consider that in our own ways of speaking about families, that it's okay for a mom to to want some help and to care about um, being able to have things in good order. I think of a sweet family. I know this mom is a stay-at-home mom and she would, one thing that really would serve and help their family is to have someone come and clean their house once a week. You know, she would take 
her big family of like six kids and they'd all leave the house and just be able to get it nice and clean. Some of those deep cleaning things, it's harder for her to get to. Um, it was helpful. So stuff like that can help moms to feel more empowered in their motherhood when it may be difficult to get around to all the different duties. Um, so definitely excellent points there, Maya. Um, as far as pornography too, we have to think about, you know, like Janet Smith was talking about sexless marriages. Like one thing that Maya and I want to make clear is that, you know, it's never okay for someone to use porn. So even if there is a sexless marriage, you know, we have to also consider, you know, maybe for men tuning in maybe you're single now, or maybe you're married. If you're single and you're thinking about your future marriage, like part of what can help increase communication between you and your spouse is NFP because you're constantly communicating about the other person's cycle. Also understanding how the woman's cycle impacts how she feels about sex and that there are points in the cycle that she is going to feel more like want sex more and that times that she wouldn't as much like women and men are not the same in that and that's the way God made us. And if we learn to communicate with our spouse and learn to work with that rather than against it, that can be very helpful for that communication. And just a reminder to all our listeners that, you know, porn is never the answer. And if there is a need for healing from porn, that's something you need to pursue before you get married. It's not your spouse's job to fix your porn addiction. And also your spouse is not the cause of your porn addiction. So if that exists, maybe there is very little sex within your marriage, but there is counseling available to you if you have a porn addiction, but also to you as a couple, if you're finding that there are issues with sex in your marriage, which by the way, this you know, sometimes it is an issue of communication. Other times there also can be medical problems. Um, sometimes hormones are not balanced correctly and there can be a lot of different things that go into that. And why, to, you know, first of all, porn is extremely dishonoring to God and it's a perversion of what God made sex to be. But also why turn to porn when you can fix your marriage? You can work on your marriage. I understand easier said than done. And yes, it takes two people to work this out. And maybe your spouse is not super willing, but there's always reward for being obedient to God. Yeah. And just, and just to add that. And then I think to end this out to that, and then to end this off, um, just like for anyone listening who may have struggled with porn, cause you know, it's something that sad to say it's really hard to get away from in our culture. And I know there's so many people that, that might be listening to this or know someone who has interacted with porn. And I, and I want to say this, like, like Cassidy said, there is healing. There's always healing. And, and at the end of the day, like it's a whole, yeah, porn's a horrible thing, but it doesn't make you a horrible person and you can overcome that and be redeemed from that. And, and now's the time. Now's the time. There's no better time than this. So there is a document from researcher Marian Marcian, and it's called Divorce and the Birth Control Pill, 53rd Congress of the European Regional Science Association. So in this document, they say, we find that divorce rates in states with sales bans, which are sales bans of contraceptive, contraceptive, are significantly lower than those without sales bans. After the introduction of the birth control pill, pointing to an important role of the birth control pill and the evolution of the divorce rate since the late 1950s. They also say, sales ban of the birth control pill seemed to be relevant in the evolution of the divorce rate. So um, previously in history, when the activist Anthony Comstock was in the regular process of passing bans on contraception, that did have an impact on keeping the divorce rate lower, according to this European research document. So something to consider that when couples had less access to contraception, you know, there's a lot of false advertising out there about like, if you've even seen some of the artwork, um, I don't know if you've seen it, Maya, but like they, um, there's 
advertising that groups like Planned Parenthood would use to try to show dissatisfied couples like you're going to be dissatisfied in your marriage if you don't use contraception because like you're basically going to have a horrible sex life and it's interesting that in history we're at a very progressive point you know um it was not the practice for many years to have the type of access to contraception we have now and there were much better it appears much better marriages and much less divorce back then so we're about out of time today that all being said we hope that you'll look into the research that we've shared today and consider that there is a connection between the use of contraception and divorce thanks for listening contraception pod listeners we're glad you were here and have a great rest of your day